You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Come on, church, together we can! Yeah! Woo! Wow. We are so honored to be here this morning. God has allowed us to travel into 19 countries to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. And I got to tell you, we're excited to be here with you, Pastor Donnie. We love you guys. You and your bride are just killing it for God. This is an amazing... I would go to this church. I'm telling you, I would go to this church. Yes. Yes. I mean, when people give their lives to Jesus before the first hymn is even sung, you know, come on. <laughs> We're having church. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is so good. You know, you, God, God knows exactly what he's doing at all times. You know that, don't you? <laughs> then why are you questioning God? Oh, I'm sorry. I got into preaching pretty fast, didn't I? Uh, yeah. But you know what? God has brought you a wonderful, wonderful man and woman of God. You know, I have loved and watched Pastor Donnie's ministry over the years, and seven years uh, of youth ministry, and uh, the last one was at Monroeville Assembly of God, Transforming Lives. I'll never forget as we were leaving the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. How many have been there before? It's kind of a big house, isn't it? Imagine that thing just filled with teenagers, just in the presence of God, just, just sobbing their faces off because they're meeting and encountering a Savior. Come on, it doesn't get any better than that. I remember I came up in the hallway one time, and Pastor Donnie was up there with his youth ministry. And man, they just had some kids who had just experienced the power in the presence of God, and they were just a mess. I mean, they were just, they were just you know, on the ground, you know, just hanging on out. And I went over to them, and I said, Pastor Donnie, how's it going? He says, great, great. Doesn't get any better. <laughs> Meantime, he's got kids, you know, just melting into the floor, you know, just having a good, good time there. And I said, well, make sure you get them out of here before the Zamboni comes and, you know, kind of like, you know, wipes them up, you know, and everything. But uh, thank God for a pastor and his wife who, who love the power in the presence of God. It's a powerful, powerful experience that we have here. So there's no, there's no, in this COVID season, many of our churches, they're seeing 35% return rate. I'm so glad to see that y'all haven't heard about COVID here yet. Yeah. This is a miracle. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, hey. There's so much that I got to say here today, and Pastor only gave me 10 minutes, so I'm going to have to hurry up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, the last thing he said to me is he says, take your time, take as much time as you want. And I said, don't say things you don't mean, <laughs> which he doesn't, you know, but uh, hey, Susan has been my bride now for 34 years, and we have served God together, and uh, I started out as a single youth pastor, that's it, and uh, God gave me a wonderful gift, and uh, I was so grateful that Susan changed me down so that I could have a wife. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that, <laughs> but it's not all true. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Susan has been just like a stalwart constant in this ministry and seeing God do some great stuff. Why don't you greet us, Susan? Hey, everybody. It is awesome to be here. I'm not sure this is happening, so we'll check that out. It is awesome to be here again, and I am so glad not to be on Facebook with Kylie and her adorable girls and all their pictures. It was so fun. I ran downstairs just to hug her, so that's just a sideline, but the presence of God is here, and you know it, and you feel it, and you sense it, and it is just amazing to be with you guys. We are so excited about what God is doing, what he's done, what he is doing, what's coming. God is so, so faithful. Our own children, on one hand, we have we kind of own the East Coast. Um, Jacqueline, she she married a minister, Chancellor. They are in uh, Miami, and they're planting a church in the middle of COVID. So uh, they're they're just 
loving God, loving Jesus, and having interest meetings, and it should launch in September. So that's that's awesome. We have a new little baby. He's six months. His name is Zion, and that's been a great experience for us. And um, yeah, there's some of our little sweetness there. That's my son down um, at the bottom. That's Chad. He serves at Elevation. He's an engineer in North Carolina. He is loving Jesus and flying down to help his sister with their church and just he, we're, we just love God. And you know what? I was thinking about this today. I thought, God, are you serious? Have you really called me? Have you called us to do this now? Really? Doug, do you really, have you really heard from God? And you know what? He's Psalm 138.8. I was reading um, early this morning, and he, he says that he will perfect that which concerns you. I was a teenager. I needed help. I needed guidance. Doug was a teenager. Oh, my, we won't even go there. <laughs> Not even into college. And our kids, they lived in this glass house in ministry. But somebody was there. Somebody said, I believe in them. I believe in you. I see good things in you. Maybe even before it was there. But they believed in them, and they knew Jesus has you. And I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to surround you and embrace you and raise you so up good. to be a leader and love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's what God's called us to do. So it's super exciting. Praise Thanks God. for having us today. Thanks. Thank you, Susan. Well, we're going to jump into the Word of God today. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. And while you're going there, let me just break out for you a little bit about what's happening. How many just, uh, you're crazy and just love theology? I mean, whoo, you just love, love, love. Hmm, pastor. So we got to... We love the goosey boobies, but we don't go for, you know, <laughs> okay. Romans, written by Paul. Paul, as you know, started out as Saul, the persecutor of the church. Remember, he was going around, thought he was doing God's business by killing all the Christians. Wow, isn't that a blessing, huh? <laughs> by the way, there's still some Sauls in some churches. I want you to know that. Oh, yeah, they're still around. Uh, but you got to recognize that spirit. When you recognize the Saul spirit, you don't take and condemn them to hell. You condemn them to heaven. You pray over their lives. Grace, 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 grace has got to be an outpouring and an outflow of what God has. Paul takes this and he begins to write the Romans. Why? Because he's got to set it straight. Rome is filled with all kind of idolatry, all kind of paganism. It is filled with all kind of power struggles. It's kind of like the United States of America. Number one, number one, number one. We are the best. We are the best. Hey, you know what? Thank God. We are nothing save Jesus Christ. We're nothing. Jesus has made us all that we are and all we hope to be. Paul takes the first 11 chapters of Romans, and he begins to take and he begins to break out for us a very strong theological argument that's all based around uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to all that will believe. Any believers in the house? Anyone? Yeah. We got some believers here. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Paul begins to bring this out. He takes 11 chapters to do it in such a crazy, dynamic way. We literally could take and preach for the rest of our lives, Pastor Donnie, just through Romans. But Paul begins to establish something that we have adopted into youth ministry a long, long time ago. And that is beginning with chapter 12. He does a hard transition here. And his transition in his writings are always like this. But this is one of the hardest ones. Chapter 12, he begins because now he's going to take this theological argument that he has brought to us. And in chapter 12, he's going to begin now to apply it. Application, application, application. How many have heard some things and uh, some spiritual things that you haven't understood? Anyone? Come on, wave at me if you've ever heard or, or been presented. You know, there's some reactions that we have when we don't understand things. A natural reaction we have for some guys is we just get mad. We just go, you're stupid, and we're out. You know, just like, ha! Yeah, right, so what? Yeah, 
send me away. And uh, we get that way. There's other of us, you know, they have different emotional responses. Some of us just go away and we pout. We don't get it, but we go away and we pout. Others just take, you know what, they just, they, they just smile at you and they just walk away and they ignore you for the rest of their lives. They just want nothing more to do with you because I don't get you. I don't understand you. I don't know what's... Hey, I'm learning in the spirit. There's going to be a lot of things that we're going to encounter that we're not going to... How many of God's ways are far above my ways? Whoo! God's got something that he is growing and stretching and bringing into our lives that we are never going to be able to fully comprehend. And so I developed early in my spiritual journey, I developed what I call a spiritual shelf. There's a shelf that is in the unseen world. You can't see it, but I know it's there. God knows it's there. Things I don't understand that are on my spiritual shelf. When I encounter something that I don't fully understand, I can't fully grasp I put it up on my spiritual shelf, and I ask the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, come on, who is our guide, who leads and guides us into all truth. I ask the Holy Spirit, in time, would you help me to understand, would you reveal this to me in time? And it's amazing how God, God sovereignly begins to teach and break that out. You see, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, those that are hungry to know God, those that are hungry to walk in the presence of God, God begins to fill. Come on, church. Yeah, he's not leaving us alone. He's taking all of us on this journey. And there are things that I've pulled off that shelf and I said, wow, God, I didn't understand that but I do now, and I'm able then to use that. And there's some other things up there that uh, I just watched the Holy Spirit just really pack into a Twinkie box and go, <laughs> yeah, this is Twinkies. Yeah, and it's not good for anybody. <laughs> it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good, but yeah, this is Twinkie stuff. Yeah, there's some theological things that will never hit the ground because it's Twinkie. <laughs> so application. We begin this hard application here in chapter 12. I'm going to be reading out the Amplified Version, and we're going to have an opportunity to see that up on the screen because you probably didn't bring your big Amplified Bible here today. But we're going to begin to talk about this here. Starting with verse number two, it says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Has anyone seen any superficial uh, values or customs in the world? Anybody? Is there Anybody? <laughs> The world is full of it. I, I mean, the world has a lot of super value, superficial values and customs. They're really there. But don't be transformed to this world. Here's a direct application that he has here. You see, if we're going to be effective with the gospel of Jesus Christ, church, we cannot be, we can't, we cannot be conformed to this world. If people look at you like you're weird, it's because you are. Peter broke that up for us in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're strangers and aliens in this world. You are a UFO. <laughs> That's it. You are. Now let me pull this back because some of you are getting weirded out. Put it on your spiritual shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. We are. You see, here's what the, the Holy Spirit is teaching me. If you don't know Jesus, this earth is as close as you're ever going to get to heaven, and so enjoy it. You're in heaven right now. But when you know Jesus, church, this is as close as you ever get to hell. You've got so much more to look forward to. And there's a generation that needs to know this. There's a generation who's got to experience the power in the presence of God. You're looking at right now, this is 38 years of youth ministry foods. This is what it looks like. <laughs> Pastor Donnie, stand up. This is what seven, why are you sucking in your gut? This is what seven years looks like. I wouldn't trade this for that for... I'm lying. <laughs> you look great, Pastor. <laughs> you know what? I wish I'd have known that I could wear my hunting clothes to church today, though. I really do. <laughs> we are friends, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I love this guy. 
By the way, all you people who are online, I want you to know we just love you and so glad that you have come to join us today. Come on, just welcome our online church. You are a part of this church. You are important to the body of Christ. And so let time distance, no way. You are a part of this family. And we're so honored that you are part of the house today. But it says, don't be transformed to this world, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. You see, if for transformation and for change to take place, we, our thinking process has got to change. We've got to change how we think. So the way you're thinking right now, it may be great thinking, but some of us may really be stuck in stinking thinking, okay? Have you ever been stuck in stinking thinking? Okay, I'm not alone then. Yeah. The Spirit of God wants to transform our minds, to change us as we mature spiritually by the renewing of our minds, focusing, here's how you do, by focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. Attitude check. Ooh, yeah. So that you may prove, I love this, so you may prove for yourself. Did you know we are constantly proving for ourselves? We think we're proving it for other people, but no, we're actually trying to figure out life for ourselves. Come on, let's be honest especially if you're a teenager. <sighs> Teenagers just try and figure out who am I? Where am I? Who do I belong? What are my values? <laughs> am I going to have any character in life at all? What is character? We be, they're trying to identify these things. Anybody remember those days? There's some teenagers in this house right now. Come on, church. How important are they to you? Come on, how important are they? All right, teenagers are going to hate this next part. If you've got a teenager new, next to you someplace, I want you to just look at them right now and say, you're valuable to me. You're awesome. They're going to hate that. I see it already. Pastor Donnie, they're already going, get away. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you hit 15, you'll change your mind. Yeah, yeah. So here it is. So we can prove to ourselves what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect, his plan and purpose for you. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about what does it take to be transformed? What does it take to be transformed? By the way, Pastor, I will get to this missions thing. I promise you. It's in here. It's in there. But let me tell you, this world, all of us, this generation needs to know the Word of God. This is the only thing that's eternal. It's the only thing that's going to last. It's the only thing that we're going to take on this journey with us. So we need that Word today. But what does it take to get us to transform our mind? We see from the Word of God here, the transformation begins with a word called change. We see it in Romans chapter 12 and 1, by the renewing of our minds, that change as we spiritually mature in Christ. I, um, I want to just take a moment and just give you a little bit of background in the Assemblies of God. You do know this is an Assemblies of God church, right? Good, good. Some of the history of the Assemblies of God. Once again, the, the uh, denomination started back in, in 20, I'm sorry, 1916. And it was birthed out of a revival that was taking place. There was a Welsh revival. There was revivals that were kicking up all over the place. There was an Azusa Street revival where the Holy Spirit came down. It was a renewal time. It was powerful to be in those places. I remember. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I had a man ask me if I remembered this pastor. I said, you know, when did this pastor pastor in Pittsburgh? I don't remember this pastor. He goes, oh, 1942. I'm like, how old do you think I am? <laughs> you know? yeah. Wow, not there. But here it was. You know, we go back. We go back and we begin to see the foundation, the start. How many know if you're a builder, the foundation is the most important part of our structure? Do you know that? That foundation, that's why we need as believers to have a strong foundation. Just like we're going to build a house, we're going to do, if we're going to build a church here, come on, we've got to have a strong foundation. A foundation that's going to be able to support the storms of life. You think your life is going to go through and you're not going to have any storms? <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah, you missed something. <laughs> yeah, get at your comic book, it'll show you. <laughs> yeah. 
there are going to be challenges and struggles that we're going to face as we're taking and walking through this journey. So in the Assemblies of God, in the Second General Council, they began to outline some things that were super important. And first of it was, it had to do with missionary zeal. The DNA, the DNA of the Assemblies of God was always rooted in missions, reaching the lost for Christ. The Assemblies of God was established out of the revival, out of a revival spirit of taking and reaching the lost. I'm here to tell you that has never changed. It is still an evangelistic missionary outreach denomination. Oh, there's many more layers to it now than there were back in 1914, 1916, the establishment. whole lot that would happen there. But I want to take and I want to bring you to some things here. In the second general council held in Chicago in 1914, it was resolved to achieve, check this out, the Assemblies of God was established to be the greatest evangelism that the world had ever seen. That's what they put in the General Council notes and minutes. The Assemblies of God was to be the greatest evangelism that the world has ever seen. Let me just tell you, that was quite audacious you know, for a group of people that at that time only had 400 ministers. Only 400 ministers. Can I tell you in Pennsylvania and Delaware right now that we have over 1,300 ministers just in Pennsylvania and Delaware? Come on, baby. We've come a long way. We've come a long way. But church, the work is not finished. The work's not done. The work isn't even close to being done here as we continue on here. We see that as they did that, one of the very first things that they established in that was what they call the indigenous church principle. The indigenous church principle. And it's important that we understand indigenous church principles. Why? Because this, if we're going to be taking, we're going to reach the world for Jesus Christ, then we want to raise up strong churches and strong believers. Amen? Are you sure? We have to. So here's the indigenous church process. Here's the principle. It focuses on planting and developing, number one, self-supporting, self-governing, and self-propagating churches. That's the indigenous principles that the Assemblies of God and missions are established on. That we are starting churches that are self-governing. We're not coming in as the missionaries and telling them the great white savior how to do everything. <laughs> no way. No way. It's got to be in a cultural context. In the cultural context of that moment so that we can begin to break this out. And it's going to be taking their self-propagating means that they're going to begin and start other churches. Come on. We're not just one church and done, right? We're starting other churches. I can tell you right now God is going to use crossroads here to start many other satellites and many other churches for the kingdom of God. You guys are not done here. You are only beginning. And wow, what a strong foundation God has given you already. God's about to bust that out right here. And then last of all, of course, is self-supporting. Self-supporting. When we go in as missionaries, our goal is not to just pay a pastor to pastor this church. No, 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 no. They're going to have to work it out. You know, I learned a long time ago that if I can, I have the ability to talk people into doing stuff. You know that, right? That's how I got my wife. I talked her into it. When she said I do, I went, yes, she's stuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's been a ride ever since. It's been fun, hasn't it, hon? That's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kylie, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, so, so is we're taking this, yeah, we, it's got to be self-supporting. Transformation is we're talking about change and transformation. For 29 years, Susan and I had the privilege of serving as your district youth director here in Pennsylvania and Delaware. And I got to tell you, we loved it. We loved your students. We loved your pastors. We loved your leaders. And it was just, it was God time. I remember as we came in 29 years earlier, God had only mentioned one thing to me. And I... I, I rarely ever talked about it when I was your district youth director. It was kind of like Mary when, when the angel showed up to Mary and told her that she's going to bear a son and, you know, everything that was going to be and with Jesus and how that was. God talked to me and he said, you know what, we're going to elevate youth ministries in the Pendel District. Pastor Donnie, I didn't know what that meant, but I just hid that in my heart prayerfully. 
Thank God for that spiritual shelf, God. I don't get this, but we're going to elevate youth ministries. And for the next 29 years, we had camps and retreats and conventions, overseas missions trips. And in every one of those events, we had a lot of fun. My gosh, we laughed, we played, we had hospital runs. <laughs> Sometimes there's a price to pay for fun. <laughs> it was never intentional, it was never malicious, <laughs> but it happened, you know. But every day, every day, every day was built with one thing in mind, that we had a funnel, we were going to pull every kid that we could into that funnel. Because that funnel has an outlet. And we knew when the word of God was preached and the altars became open, that's when the Holy Spirit was going to just release the floodgates. And those altars were going to be filled with students who were receiving Christ as their Savior, who were receiving emotional and physical healings. Come on, church. God, we watched God do in, in minutes what you know, psychiatrists could not do with medication in, in decades. We watched God do there. We watched kids being filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, with empowerment. Not just a prayer language, but empowerment. Empowerment to be witnesses. When we left, we have almost 2,000 students in their local high schools, middle schools, and in junior highs taking the gospel of Jesus Christ every day to their schools. Come on, that's a God thing, you know, when teenagers are taking and presenting that gospel. God was calling them into ministry. It was effective, not because of us, but because it was a teamwork, team effort, coming and bringing resources and giving and offering to God, letting the Holy Spirit do his work. God was doing phenomenal things. But I remember two years earlier as we were in our prayer time, begin to hear God ask a question, and the question was every day. Begin hearing God say, will you trust me? Now, I got to tell you, church, when I heard God asking me a question, will you trust me? I got excited. How many would get excited if you heard God asking you, will you trust me? Any, anybody? All right, there are a couple crazies out there. Let me tell you, you're going to trust God, you're going to go on a journey. And it's not going to be a journey that you are going to fully grasp and understand. It's going to be a journey that is, he's going to take you where he wants in his time and the way he wants to do it. I, I got excited. I got excited and I said yes everywhere I knew how. I didn't know how, how else to say. I can tell you after one year, every day in my prayer time, every day in my devotion time, every day hearing that question, will you trust me? I got to tell you, I was broken. I was broken really broken. Did you ever get to a place where you don't know how to respond to God? I didn't know how. I would said yes every way I knew. But I found the word. <laughs> Are you grateful for the word? I was in this word one morning and I began to see that the God that we serve is not a God of words, but he's a God of action. Everywhere you see in Scripture, words were accompanied by an action. There was an action there. Yeah, Jesus, God, He was the Holy Spirit. They were all present at the making of this world. Yeah, they spoke the worlds and the worlds came into order. You know, man, He made that. But there was words that were connected to action. Everywhere that Jesus went, he spoke a word, but there was action. And we saw the paralytic heal. We saw open eyes. We saw the dead raised. You know, there was constant things that were going on in the kingdom of God. And I recognized that I, the God I serve is not a God of words, just talk, but a God of action. And that action is what led me to offer my resignation as your district youth director. Let me just tell you, something that I, I, I still mourn, you know, there's still moments where I mourn over it. Why? Especially in this pandemic year, when I recognize that the district youth ministry events, you know, they've been shut down, that we're trying to mask up a generation and trying to silence the voice of a generation. I'm here to tell you, God is not going to mask up this generation. Matter of fact, he's getting ready in Joel chapter 2. He's getting ready to rip this mask off and this young generation, they're going to prophesy. This young generation, they're going to see visions and they're going to do more than they've ever done before. And it's going to start here. It's going to start here. It's going to start here. That's what God's doing in our midst. I offer my resignation. When I offer my resignation... If you've ever known Doug Sayers, Doug Sayers, and I don't mean this to be cocky, don't mean this to be audacious, but Doug Sayers has always had opportunity in his back pocket. 
There's always been a place to go preach. You know, there's always a church I could have gone to. There was always some place. There was always knocks on the door. Let me tell you, when you're walking with God and you're doing God's things, don't think that God's not going to put distractions in your way. You see, the more powerful you are for God, the bigger the distraction is going to be. The bigger the tempting is going to be in your life. I've been tempted in so many areas. That's when we got to get our eyes off self. We got to get our eyes off how green the grass is in my neighbor's yard. And we got to keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Are your eyes on Jesus? Are you ready for a transformational moment? Are you ready to be transformed into God's presence, into what he has for you? Well, I got to tell you, when I offered my resignation, I reached into my back pocket. You know what I found? Anybody? A track? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I found nothing. There was nothing there. There was nothing in my back pocket. I think it was one of the first times in my lives that there was nothing. And I began to ask the Holy Spirit. I said, come on, you're leading me into this thing. Why is there nothing in my back pocket? You know what I began to, to grow into this? I learned this. Nothing is a great place to start if you're going to trust God. You see, many of us want to start whenever we've got enough money. We want to start when we've got all the right facilities and all the right tools. We want to start whenever we've got everything there. Do we leave any room for God? Do we have any room in our ministry? Is there a transformation that needs to take place in our hearts and our lives when we say, God wants to do something far bigger than me, far bigger than what I've got, far bigger than what I could ever dream. God has something bigger in mind in store for that. That's what God began to do. Nothing is a great place to be if you're going to trust God. I was in Springfield, Missouri. I was down there for some meetings. And while I was there, I happened to have a chance encounter with Dave Ellis. He's the regional director for Latin America, Caribbean, and some of got world missions. And uh, in that meeting, you know, uh, he, he asked me a question. But I want to start and ask this one. Do you think there's chance encounters that you just have chance encounters in the, in the kingdom? Do you think that that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. I believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. I believe your steps and my steps are ordered of God. Those of you who are watching online, your steps are ordered of God. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows your address. He knows where you're sitting right now. And he hasn't forgotten you. You're not forgotten. God knows exactly where you are. And he's got something that he wants to do and give and place and speak over your life. Will you receive it in Christ's name? Woo, I'm telling you, church, God's in his house today. <laughs> Man. So... So I'm having this meeting with this guy, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this man asked me a question. He says, Doug, if you were to become an Assemblies of God world missionary, what would you want to do? Well, first of all, people have asked me, Doug, did you always want to be a world missionary? <laughs> what? Uh-huh. A world missionary? You know what? People say, Are you called, were you called to be a missionary? Let me tell you about my calling. I'm a first-generation believer. I grew up in the Pittsburgh area, rough family, rough neighborhood. I was the only Caucasian in my whole neighborhood. My best friends were all of color. I learned Ebonics really well. I'm right now in Costa Rica taking Spanish classes. <laughs> yeah! We're trying to figure out right now, you know, what the infinitives are and what the, the direct objects are so we can put personal pronouns with each of these direct objects. I says, I can't even do that in English. <laughs> I had one teacher tell me that my participle was dangling. I said, well, cover it up. <laughs> I don't even know where it's at. You'll have next week, Pastor Donnie, to fix all this. <laughs> this man asked me if I want to be a world missionary. Called to be missions, let me just say, I love missions. We love missions. But here's what we love. Is we love God first, but we love people. We love people. 
I don't care if they're people here. I don't care if they're anywhere else in the world. We love people, and people need Jesus. You see, God's given us the privilege of being in 19 countries in the world. In every country I've been in, I've noticed that there's ministry to children. I've noticed that there's ministry to college all the way to meet Jesus. But there's an unreached people group completely in all the world, and that's adolescents, teenagers, teenagers. There's no ministry to teenagers except the United States and in Australia. Only two countries that really do youth ministries. Other than that, no ministry to teenagers. So I looked at this man, and you, the Bible tells us that there's going to be moments that you don't have to prepare an answer. Are you aware of that? But the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Are you aware of that? I had one of these encounters. I didn't even hesitate. This man asked, if you were to become a Simsagar World Missionary, what would you want to do? I said, if I were to become a Simsagar World Missionary, there's only one thing I want to do, and that is to catalyze youth ministry, start youth ministries around the world. That's it. That's it. I watched this man who's been in missions, you know, for 30 some years. I watched this man take his chair and slide it back against the wall. And I recognize, you know, from the psychology classes that I've taken, when a man moves his chair back against the wall and he looks up to the sky, that means he feels trapped. <laughs> you know, he just like, okay, I'm, he's pinned against the wall. And in that moment, this man lowered his head and he looked at me and said, wow, Doug, you don't ask for anything too big, do you? I said, absolutely not. You see, I learned a long time ago, I either serve a big God who does great things or I serve a little God who can't do nothing. I choose to serve a great God who does great things. And this has never been done. Is not fearful for me at all. Give it to me. Bring it on. This is the thing that happened. He says, but it hasn't ever been done. We've never started youth ministries around the world. It culturally doesn't fit into the model. And I said, it fits into God's model. It fits into his economy. It's in the world. Word of God, we can do this. This man brought his chair back up to the table and he said, do you have any ideas of how to do this? And I said, yes, I've got ideas. I'd have an idea. I got nothing. But I know who does. I know God. I know the voice of God. I can hear when God speaks to me and speaks to his church. You have a pastor who knows God and can hear God's voice when he's speaking to him and when he's speaking to the church. God is building his church, not Doug Sayers, not even Pastor Donnie and Kylie. God's building this church. And God's going to... 19 countries, I've talked, I've had the opportunity to sit with general superintendents all the way down, district superintendents, pastors of the largest churches, pastors of the smallest churches, and I've asked in every country, I've said, I've noticed you have ministry to children, ministry to college, so they meet Jesus. Do you, why is there no ministry to adolescents? In every country I've been in, every pastor I've talked to has essentially told me the same thing. The reason we don't have ministry to adolescents is, and I love it because they look around to see who might be listening the reason we don't have ministry to adolescents is because they're crazy. <laughs> Teenagers are nuts. They're not teachable. You tell them to go left, they go right. Tell them to go forward, they go backwards. Ah, they're nuts. We wait until they get into more college because when they're in college, they're much more settled. <laughs> college students are much more reasonable. We can actually talk to college students and we can... Who are you fooling? I happen to believe that the most fertile seed God has ever given his church. Pastor, am I done? Sorry. I'm bad. The most fertile soil God has ever given his church is in the life of a student. You see, for adults, can I just be real honest? We like our comfort. We like the right environment, you know. Give me Hawaiian tropic breezes, you know. Yeah. When it's hot, make it cool. When it's cool, make it warm. You know what? I prefer Diet Mountain Dew. Could you take that water away, please? I don't need any water, just Diet Mountain Dew. I'm in youth ministry. We 
want the perfect pH level. We want the right amount of water. To, that, that way our seed will grow. Let me tell you, students are very different. Students are so different. I love teenagers because teenagers, they don't have not enough life experience to really know what they want. Teenagers, you know, you go out there, you can literally overhand seed at them. I mean, you can pelt them with seed. You've done that? Yeah. I believe it. Pastor, you've heard of buckshot. Don't do that with seed, okay? Nah, nah, nah. It'll go, it'll go bad, yeah. See, you throw seeds at students, you don't even have to water them. All you have to do is spit at a kid a couple of times a year and the seed's going to grow. I'm telling you, it just grows. It just grows. It grows. And what God does in them, it goes deep. It goes, it's well established. It grows. Oh, yeah, there's some. You know, the birds have come and snatched it away. There's come, you know, when the heat of life comes, yeah, it's shriveled on up. But here's what I love. You get a kid back into the presence of God. Woo! You get a kid back in the presence of God. You know, they'll break. They'll break. But let me just tell you, church, let me take you to the next level. It's not enough to just get, get a kid into the presence of God. We can't just be in the presence of God. So you came here this morning because you love being in the presence of God. But you know what, church? We need the presence of God in us. We need to have the presence of God in us so that we become the outflowing of what God is doing. And we begin to take and we begin to minister to those around us. How many are ready to minister to the person who's sitting around you right now? You know what? You might have fought with your spouse on the way here today. It's time for you to give it up and start ministering to one another. I love you, baby. I do. (laughs) Just for the record. Yeah. God wants to do something supernatural. Let me just close with this. You know what that means, Pastor. How many closings do you do? Three? All right, three. Thank you. Kindly told the truth. Pastor was thinking. Let me tell you just a little bit about how effective students are. We held our first crusade in Bolivia. There was a young man, 17 years of age. His name was Joel. Joel, I didn't know Joel. Joel came to this. He was 17 years old. We give invitations in the middle are those who want to receive Christ. Over here, we pray for the sick. Over here, because we're Pentecostal and we know we're not going to be here forever, we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, be filled with power to be witnesses so that the message will continue on. They'll take it to, uh, to their cities and to their barrios and we'll begin to see God do tremendous things. Joel Morales came up and received Christ. And God just did a phenomenal transformational work. This guy was sucking, you know, grass and grass seed and and dirt. I mean, he was prostrate on the ground just in the presence of God. Holy Spirit said, invite Hoyel to travel with you for the next 10 days. I invited him to travel with me for the next 10 days. I don't know who this kid is, but I invited him to travel. As we continue to travel, I began to see there was no ministry to teenagers anywhere in Bolivia. And so I began to say, Hoyel, why is there no ministry to teenagers? Hoyel says, oh, we don't believe in teenagers. The gospel isn't brought to teenagers. There's no ministry for teenagers. We don't bring the gospel to teenagers. I said, I see that, but why? He says, I don't know. He says, but we, we, it's just our way. We don't do that. And I said, well, I said, you received Jesus. He says, yes. I said, aren't you a teenager? He said, yes. You came after me. You came after me. (laughs) Friends, that'll wreck you. Who are we going after? Who are we going after? He said, you came after me. This young man, Hoyel, I said, Hoyel, could it be that God would use you to be the first youth pastor here in Santa Cruz, Bolivia? Hoyel says, oh, no, 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 me? Oh, no, no, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? He said, who am I? I am nobody. I said, well, I'm nobody right behind you. (laughs) I said, I can barely speak English, let alone your Spanish. (laughs) I was preaching a message, five cents to be a champion for God, except I didn't use the word champion correctly. I said, you know, I, I... the correct word is campion, but I didn't use campion. Pastor, I used champion. Five steps to be a mushroom for God. <laughs> oh, I'm good. 
I'm good. People come to the altars just to pray for me. Long story while we're there. God transformed this young man. When we left, he said, I will pray about being the first youth pastor here. The story goes on. He not only became the first youth pastor, he went on to Bible school there. He not only became the first pastor, uh, first youth pastor, he now pastors the largest church in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. He is now the district superintendent there in the country. God has used him in a powerful way. They have started over 70 churches. And a mandate for that church is you will begin a youth ministry. You will go after a generation. You will bring Christ to this generation. Because, they, see, they understand Psalms chapter 145 and verse 4. that says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them display your power. God wants this teenage movement to display the power of God. You and I, we hold the story. Start telling people the story of what Christ has done in your life. It trend is, God will use it as a transformational moment. 45% of all teenagers, according to global Christianity, 45% of all teenagers would come to a church if you would only invite them. And the you I'm talking about is, come on, teenagers, where you at? Begin to invite your friends that they might know Jesus, that they might know God. We have taken and we've started 20 youth ministries in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Susan and I, we started, we started our itineration in January, January of 2020. We were two and a half months in when COVID arrived. I wish somebody, pastor, would have told me that I wouldn't be able to get a service for the next five, six months. I wish somebody told me because I don't quit. <laughs> quit is not my name. You see, we, had to raise, we have to raise a budget to get on the field. We've got to have our budget raised fully before we can get there. In January, I asked the Lord, I said, God, could you help us to do a miracle? Could you help us to be done by October? <laughs> Little did I know what God had in mind. Two and a half months later, COVID hit, everything shut down. We were all part of that. So many things have been turned upside down at that time. We've all lived through it. Uncertainty has plagued many. People aren't sure what the future is, but I want you to know, I know a God that does. And let me tell you, it's not bleak. It's great. It's not a downer. It's an upper. It is not filled with depression. It's filled with anticipation and excitement. Get on board. God's got something great. It's about breaking out. We went after this thing. We are right now, we are 36% away from meeting that goal. In a COVID year, that is miraculous that we're there and it's God and God's people. We're so grateful for those who have gone behind I have to tell you, this has been the most humbling, humbling experience for me, though, for my wife and I. We have literally watched as the widow's might has come in to support this ministry. Church, it wrecks me. It wrecks me. God knows I want to help that widow. But you know what? That widow is going to be blessed above all because Jesus sees that widow. Jesus sees every sacrifice. You don't do missions without sacrifice. All of us are called to go. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, make disciples. We're all called to go. Some of us are going to go physically. Some of us are going to go by our giving. You're going to go. It's called partnership and making that happen. We're trusting God for this last percentage there. But church, as I just close for the second time, <laughs> I've killed the time, so I may never get invited back. So <laughs> let's just wear it out. Here's where it is, church. We're going after a generation. We're going after students. We're going after teenagers. God has allowed us to develop leaders all throughout Pennsylvania and Delaware, leaders throughout the United States of America. 
You've got a man here coming, Tim Enlow. Everything pastor said about him is absolutely true, but there's some more truth that you don't know. He was in my youth ministry. I know things about stink bombs. <laughs> the man walks in anointing. He walks in blessing. He is a phenomenal teacher. God we have watched as God has raised up students literally around the world. We have students that have been in under our ministry and care that are all throughout the world, all through the United States, and they're serving God in great ways. That happens, church, because if of participation of us working together, the local church with leadership to see God do something phenomenal. I believe that we're going to see these altars filled with God, with students encountering the power and the presence of God continuing. It's not over. For us, it's an Acts 1-8 moment. You see, you will see power after that. The Holy Ghost has come on you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. We've been faithful in Jerusalem and Judea. Can I say that? I don't mean to be cocky, but we have been faithful. We would have continued to be faithful, but God is now calling us to the outermost parts of the world to take the gospel to every generation. God's about ready to rip the mask off of a generation. We're going to hear them prophesy. They're going to see visions. Are you ready for another awakening? Are you ready for another revival? Let's pray. Father God, right now I'm asking you, Lord, the word is in our hearts right now and our lips is, I'm available. Would you just say that to the Holy Spirit right now? Would you say that God... Just tell God, I'm available. I'm available. Would you make yourself available to the Lord? Yes, it's going to cost you something. Yes, it's going to come with great sacrifice. Come on, make that an altar where you're at right now. Just raise your hand toward God and say, God, here's me. God, I'm available. I'm available to you. Here I am, God. You can have me. You can have every part of me. God, would you take and fill me right now? God, I do, I pray right now is we are going to be pushing up against culture in every country we go to. We're going to be pushing against culture. God, I'm asking you right now to go before us and begin to break those walls and those barriers down. I'm asking you, God, that you would begin to just break up the ground even now to receive the seed that you are pouring out in this generation. God, there's going to be a great harvest in these last days and it's going to be in every nation, every tribe, every generation is going to hear about the mighty acts of God. Lord, you've already ordained it. I know because of your word. And God, we speak it so in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.